Hello and welcome back to Level Zero Literacy. My name is Mason and I am so excited to bring you our months-long project on Yakuza 7 Like a Dragon. During the episode, we are going to spoil the events of the game from beginning to end and we're going to discuss topics that include, but are not limited to, murder, organized crime, child abuse, and treatment of the disabled. So please use your best judgment before proceeding and enjoy. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Level Zero Literacy. My name is Buck, and I am joined as always by my favorite Soko no Amais, Sam and Mason. What did you just call me? I called you uh, that face over there. That is the literal translation uh, of what I said. Uh, you, you're the one that knows Japanese, I that have is. to believe you. <laughs> and we have a special guest today, Haley. Hello. Hey, beautiful. And today we are talking about... Yakuza Like a Dragon, the seventh or eighth, depending on how you count, mainline game in the Yakuza series that is now the Like a Dragon series. Directed by Ryosuke Hori, produced by Hiroyuki Sakamoto, and written by Masayoshi, Masayoshi Yokoyama. Like a Dragon is a big departure for the franchise, shifting the mechanics from an open-world brawler to a JRPG, and finally shifting the primary character from Kazuma Kuryu who was the primary protagonist of each game before this, to Ichiban Kasuga. The game is still telling the story of the Tojo clan and the Omi Alliance, but primarily takes place in a new fictional city in Yokohama, Isezaki Ijincho. As Ichiban Kasuga, you are a low-level Yakuza who gets thrown into prison as a favor for his boss and has to adjust to a new world after being in prison for 18 years. Much longer than Kiryu. Kiryu only had a 10-year sentence. Ichi got 15 plus 3 for bad behavior. He did. What a... Not a model prisoner. <laughs> should, have, should have attended more prison church. <laughs> I mean, he was justified. He was. That, mo- that motherfucker said some shit about Arakawa. Well, welcome everybody to our first level zero literacy episode where i have officially set up a boxing ring in the middle of the room and in one corner we have the side of the brilliant minds fighting for justice me and buck (laughs) and on the other side we have dumb stupid idiots Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah and in the middle we do have Haley officiating so i was about to say if you're about to put me on the dumb idiot side i don't know what your stance is i don't know what your stance is on the ending yet so i can't he reserves the right to put you in the idiot corner i can't put you in a corner Mm -hmm. he reserves the right (laughs) yes Uh, folks this is the first levels of your literacy episode that is going to come to blows so if there seems like there's a big cut at some point, then me, Mason, and Buck, I'll come back really out of breath. <laughs> it's because it's finally happened. <laughs> well, Mason might not come back at all. But <laughs> I watch a lot of pro wrestling. I know I know how to fucking throw you through a Spanish announcer table really hard. I watch a lot of Super Eye Patch Wolf, so I know a lot about pro wrestling. Okay, you know a lot about storytelling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can tell me about Sami Zayn's. <laughs> character development do you know what a blue thunder bomb is because i do that's what i thought so this week we're gonna start out with everyone's gonna discuss yeah what their opinion on what the story is about is and then we'll kind of 
break out into discussion from there. I'll go first because this this whole thing was my idea, right? Yakuza 7 is about people and how they take care of the institutions and the responsibilities that they become sort of responsible for over the course of their life. Some people will be leaders, some people will be fathers, some people will simply be the caretakers of a friendship. And in a lot of situations over the course of the game, the stakes are high and the characters in the story are sort of responsible for something like really huge, like an organized crime family, as, as you might expect out of the game, or uh, Soapland, or you know, a family and the game explores the good that comes about when a strong, morally, morally strong, good man is at the top of one of these institutions versus the, the disaster that strikes when someone doesn't take care of one of these institutions responsibly. That's a lot of what the game was about to me. Okay, my belief is that this game is about found families. Pretty much every person in this game either belongs to a found family or ends up in a found family. Ichiban basically creates a found family in his party Everyone that joins him is pretty much a family. They support each other. They give each other the time of day. They help each other with their problems. And not just in a, you're playing an RPG, and so you're going to go around and help your party members with their issues, but actually like full-fleshed conversations about what people are going through and you know, helping them with deep-rooted, you know, psychological stuff that they're going through as well. And then even when you think about the gangs in this game, the way a majority of the characters talk about them, you know, they talk about how much of a support group uh, the institutions have been for them you know especially uh the geomajil geomajil is that how we're I think pronouncing it's it? Jewel. like especially the geomajil which is basically a network for these koreans who have been displaced by all this i want to say racism essentially but combination of uh, racism, the way Japanese citizenship works, and uh, Korean f- crime families. Yeah, and really, the only person that ends up in your party that's not that doesn't really fit into this narrative to me is like Zhao. But because his, and it's been a while since I played, so feel free to correct me. His dad was an important. Leon his Mang. dad was his the dad, head. Yeah, yeah, was in the same he position. He inherited yeah. the position so, of his dad. I, I think he's the only he's the only one that's kind of an outlier, 
but like even he he gives up that life because he never really wanted it he was more forced into it and so now as a result of meeting Ichi and the rest of the group he's able to finally kind of free himself and pursue the interests he's actually been interested in his entire life he has some very fascinating conversations if you go out and do the more casual mini game stuff with him like if you go out and take him for a meal he has some very interesting things about to say about Chinese cuisine he's like almost a gourmand of that cuisine type you know if you go play darts with him he has some interesting things to say. so I don't know this whole this whole game to me really that was really the meaning for 98% of it as a kind of combination of both of your points I think a lot of like a dragon is about the importance of community and you know, where you find a community to fit in. And also, I think a big point of this game that isn't a part of any resolution of any huge subplots or anything are that criminals are people. Yeah. And crime is nowhere near as black and white as especially in America we love to see it as, and in Japan I think they love to see it as. I can't speak as strongly on that point. But, you know, one thing that I really, you know, the reason I put this game on this list is because I played, like, the first 50% of this game and then had to fall off it because of life. But I loved the whole subplot of, People need a community, period, and people will find community where they can get it. And why they do what they do is to survive, because all humans have to survive, right? And, you know, through finding a family and a community that actually supports you, you are able to find a place to survive. And if that results in you having to do things that people look down on you for... It, it's whatever. You do what you got to do, right? <clears throat> so I don't think I have too much to add because I kind of feel in a similar vein to all of you um, that I think, well, one thing that hasn't been mentioned, I think the game is a lot about like loyalty, like very much strong loyalty to the end, especially with, you know, the different things Ichi does for, you know, people such as um, Arakawa, Nanba, you know, all those folks. Um, And I just, I guess to simplify what each of you have said already, I think it's all about kind of like friendship, uh, the power of friendship and the friends we have made along the way. (laughs) I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another point I kind of want to make before we get into a broad discussion of this game is, boy, this story is a lot like Kiryu's. Yeah, from I noticed Kiwami the parallels immediately. Because he gets out of prison, he meets a detective. Yep. Uh, 
doesn't have anywhere to go, really. He faces betrayal at the hands of his old family. He's got a mystery he has to solve. I think it's pretty... In- but I like I like that setup, though, because... He fights Majima. Not... Not I like that setup not because it's similar to Kiryu's, but because it sets them up with the ability to subvert your expectations. Yeah. When they don't replay things beat for beat. Like Ichi is a very different person. Yeah. You know, Kiryu is always this like cold, kind of detached individual, except for his very close inner circle, mm. which is very small. And all those people end up dead at the end of the first game anyways. <laughs> so, but, you know, Ichi is this very, like, warm, mm-hmm. you know, he wants to, you know, know people and love people and care about people, even if they push him away. Mm-hmm. So, I think giving them the same intro, the same setup, but allowing the characters to be what shines through is a great way to make a more character-driven narrative for an RPG, which is not normal. Mm -hmm. You know, RPGs are always these big epics about some grand, incredible story that's being woven, you know, there's a plight on the land and you are the hero and, you know, you have to go and make all these packs with people and blah, 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 blah. But this game is very down to earth in so far as like this is a game about people and the characters and how the lives and the politics of this region of japan impact them yeah they do a lot of very impressive groundwork in the early chapters to get you invested before they raise the stakes to the crazy rpg Mm. levels Mm-hmm. Right, because in the early chapters, it's like, you know, you got to put a roof over your head. It's yeah, just you like need money. You need money. Here's <laughs> you something no you're gonna money. have to do. Well, you found someone who will give you a roof over your head. She's gonna ask you to do a bunch of really annoying stuff. Got to help her out. And then, like through these things, it introduces you to all the big players for when the stakes escalate in the later part of the game, and then you're already really bought in. And it, I mean, it takes time it's a lengthy game it, it really takes its time doing all this but the payoff is that once you get to the back half of the game and all these things start escalating all these different disparate parties start swirling around and like make trying to make their own designs on like what's going to happen you not only do you have like a firm basis of of what reality is supposed to be and how you're supposed to read these things but like everything feels so much more emotional nothing feels like out of nowhere like it did in Kiwami when you're like 75% towards the end of the game and they're like, oh, it was actually all this corrupt politician that you whose name you've heard twice and he's brought two of uh, like 12 guys to the top of the, you know, what it's like, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, this game, they, they do, they take a lot of time, but they lay out the groundwork super well. And it, it makes for a way, way better second half of the game. I got to say, the most unrealistic thing about this game is an employment agency being very useful. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that, but see, that's that's what I was saying earlier 
the re I mean like originally in the beginning uh portions of the game you go to hello work and they've got nothing for you they have no desire to help you but there's like one man in there who really wants to help you who really wants to be kind of a good caretaker of his job really wants to take his ser- his responsibility seriously and then like he gets to you know you you get to feel sort of the the repercussions of that in a positive way and i mean i i guess i was a little bit cruel to that guy by saying that because like he also cares about the community right like, yeah th- because of his connections in the community that's how he gets you to like meeting um hamako and also helps you out when you're trying to investigate what happened and no, like he gets you the job with Nonomiya. Nonomiya dies. He gets you like he cares about what's going on here, which is, you know, it, you know, I hate I hate to be cynical, but it's like, you know, we, I have a difficult relationship with the financial implications of this game yeah you know it gives homeless people so much time to shine as human beings but then also is a it's a very bootstrappy right yeah (sighs) yeah i told that to mesa (laughs) i I was i literally was like oh sis he was like oh the game's about you know the ravages of homelessness and poverty and you know what it takes to get out i was like oh so this game's about bootstrapping he's like no well (laughs) yeah huh (laughs) which i mean and like the thing is the game like ichiban says bootstrap boy and then namba slaps him down immediately yeah Yeah. right i like you need to cut that shit out yeah and (sighs) and honestly it's very funny because the game is about that for probably about an hour and then you find your first gold plate, <laughs> your solid gold plate under a vending machine, and you never have money problems again. Yeah, I think it's very funny that uh, all throughout the game, there will be like complaints of not having enough money, like when you're at the bar or like doing other stuff. And it's like, it's like, I'm a poker yeah, billionaire. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I have like 15 million yen yeah, right like- now. <laughs> Like I am a, in, by any measure, I am a, I am a uh, poker magnate <laughs> and, and you, and you can't just ask me for a hundred thousand dollars to do whatever. It's nothing to me. And, uh, another thing that I want to mention maybe before we talk more about other plot things is I can't, I hate how Aerie is excluded from everything. Important. From the, from the cutscenes i was like i went and got her like, like why is she not in these it, rendered cutscenes? by the way i was watching the credits i think Aerie is a real person who was like a special guest because she she's credited as herself interesting that is interesting well i, I, I mean the reason why she's not in any of the cutscenes is because she's a completely optional party yeah. member right yeah, yeah. That's you're not true. even required to to do what you need to do to yeah her. But, like, I feel like if you do the work to get her, it would be better. Just put her in the cuts. Just put her model standing in the cuts. <laughs> yeah, that probably would have been a lot of work to, yeah. like, create yes. completely separate cutscenes if the players chose to, like, especially, get Ari on board. Especially at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of how important it is that all the party members are there and in specific positions. <sighs> 
I, 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 it's just, I never even really finished the, the cash mini game because I didn't have time because this game's too long. Um, oh, I, remember, I remember saying that. I remember saying the same thing to Haley <laughs> many times. You probably like, didn't even do the final millennium tower. <laughs> you didn't do the final millennium. Did either of you do the final no. millennium? No, tower? No, did you? Yes. Why? <laughs> Why did you do that? Because there's actually like very small story implications at the end of it. All, and all you had to do was grind to level 99. No, 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 no. And not, finish all the not, side quests. Oh, the thank final, God you got the small story implications. Not the final final. The fin- there is the final Millennium Tower and there is the final <laughs> final Millennium Tower. And you think I'm joking, but I'm not. It's fucking ridiculous. The final Millennium Tower is the dungeon you do after you beat the main game. Okay. And you do the Millennium Tower for the first time, right? The final, final Millennium Tower is the Millennium Tower you do after you beat the final Millennium Tower that requires you to be max cap leveled on all of your characters. This game's too damn long. I don't know if... I didn't. I never beat the final, final Millennium Tower, so I don't know if there's any small story implications at the end of that. But at the end of the final Millennium Tower, the boss is... The guy, the like, he's like the same secret bosses from Kiwami. Oh, Joe Amon. Yeah, he's like wearing like sunglasses. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, Joe Amon. And he is like testing you to make sure you're worthy to be the next dragon of Dojima. Mm. Huge, huge revelations. I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. is because this it give it to me. I think it also frames this game to be a little bit about legacy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The legacy of the Dragon of Dojima and like that title and what it carries with it and how, what it means for that title to be transferred from Kiryu to Ichi. Mm-hmm. Well, technically it wouldn't be because uh, Ichi wasn't part of the Dojima family. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying because like he had you know, the big dragon on his back as well. But remember, he was technically part of the Arakawa family, which right. started out as a much lower level family within the Tojo clan compared to um, the Dojima family. I, it's just interesting. I don't, and like, yeah, you're right. Like, why would they call him the dragon of Dojima? But that is, I just, that's what they call them. So that's interesting. Uh, I I would need to watch the cutscenes because I I believe that's what that happens. It, it's weird. That is weird. That fight is hard too. By the way, he uses like the same special abilities you use. He actually ha- gets to do essence of orbital laser. Oh sweet Jesus! And you just like <laughs> you can party wipe so easy on that fight. It is ridiculously hard if you do it. I wish they designed difficult bosses better for this game. I, I they were just I liked too, the boss encounters. I, I think they were too damage spongy. I, uh, I yes. they I don't think they give characters enough opportunities to have enough interesting skills to make long encounters interesting. Okay, like what? Hold on. I say I say we do just a segment. You did not play Dragon Quest Eleven. No, Dragon Quest Eleven does a much better job of doing stuff. Okay, like that so I say we <laughs> just do a segment where we just voice our complaints on the game. <laughs> Because we're gonna, it's gonna keep coming up if we're like, oh, and then this part it annoyed me. So just like, let's let's vent it all out right now. Let's let's get out all the dumb things, all the all the bad decisions, things that <laughs> didn't gel with us. Buck, 
uh, mechanically or story wise? <laughs> both, both. Okay, okay. <laughs> Just stick to the highlights. All right. Uh, so I thought the job system was incredibly half baked in this game. Like, uh, if you compare the job system in this game to Final Fantasy V, a uh, almost thirty year old game. It's a lot worse. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's not horrible. It is definitely a good system, but there's a lot of things wrong with it, specifically job EXP and how slow it is that disincentivize you from actually engaging with the system enough for how the game is paced. Because when you hit the wall that everyone knows about, of, Majima fight, yeah, yep. it you grind, and then you know. For me, it was like Kuryu was the final boss, which Kuryu's not the final boss. No, but it feels I like it. I did Kuryu, and then every other fight after was easy. Yeah, like a cakewalk. Like Tendo was doing. 20 damage to me when he was not one hit punching me. Yeah. I <laughs> and that's frustrating when that's not how that's supposed to be designed. <laughs> yeah, I'll never understand how they made this game so like one of my biggest praises about this game was that despite it being an RPG, it felt very balanced, not grindy. And, you know, it really felt like they did a good job developing out the level so the level and the level caps in such a way that it felt like a very natural flow. And then I got to Majima. I was like, well, they ruined it. <laughs> yeah. They ruined They They fumbled the bag so hard. And I, it, it was really frustrating because I love Majima's reveal. And I love that whole section, the build up to that section of the game. And then I, I literally messaged Mason. I was like, wow, this really cool thing just happened and I can't even enjoy it because this other bullshit thing just happened. Yep. I think the overworld design is pretty rough. I think enemy density is crazy high. Crazy high. I think having to touch taxis before they show up on your map is a is a baffling decision i i'd be going around at like even like very late stages of the game like up to halfway through and i'd be like yeah i'd be running around and haley be like why are you going that way i'd be like i just saw a taxi i haven't touched i think they do add taxis maybe i cuz i feel like i see taxis that weren't there before but that maybe could, that could be the case. I, I mean, they might add them as time goes on, but it's like the enemy density is crazy, which incentivizes you to use taxis, which means you don't see the really beautiful overworld as much. Um, and then also like all these things keep happening in the story and it's like, Oh, I bet the overworld is going to change in response to this. The, specific instance i'm thinking about being when the chinese mafia kills one of the tojo clan guys 
and or the um, was it Tojo Clan? Two of them. Well, no, you're... Omi Alliance. Sorry, when when the um, Chinese mafia kills the Omi Alliance people, no, I think I think you're thinking Seiryu Clan. Seiryu Clan people, and then the Seiryu Clan is like riding around like it's like open season, like there's like the game's like it's like a war's about to break out. It's like oh, I'm the enemies are about to be like crazy. It's like no, really, what happens is like you get to a certain point in the game and then it hits the now the enemies are stronger switch and that's like the only time there's any difference in what happens in the overworld <laughs> it's like this is like i really phoned it like made this big beautiful world and then like gave me every reason in the world to not walk through it it's a big bright beautiful world but not for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know that shouts to shrek the musical hey. my Biggest mechanical frustration was probably, other than the Majima level issue, I didn't like how the overworld was laid out in such a way that everything felt really far apart all the time. And it felt like you had to walk so far <laughs> to get to anything. There's not that enough was, food places either. Yeah, that was that was the other reason why the taxis became such a big thing. Because it just... The, the amount of time it takes to walk from one side of the city to the other side of the city is way too long. And, you know, once you get to, like, the mid and the end game, whenever you're not going to one of the other two city locations, you're basically running from the park to some other location in the city. And the park is in the top right corner of the map. If they had just put the park in the... If the park was the center of the map, it'd be it, perfect. Nope, there would be. And it would make a lot more sense because <laughs> it would. Give I mean, you I like guess s- the parks by the ocean. Yeah, but like I don't know. A lot of times, parks are in the central location of a city. So it, I think it, it just would have been nice if the park was kind of like this hub, the central hub, because it's where all these like supply shops are, where you buy materials for things you need to craft, and a large portion of the story ends up happening there. And I don't know. It just would have been nice if it was not didn't feel so detached from the rest of the area. Yeah, the map was huge compared to the other games that we've played. And I agree with like the not enough food places. It oddly <laughs> seemed like the density of like food places and shops, honestly, was a lot less than in the other games. And I guess to add my I think biggest complaint is Beyond the store, beyond the main story, there seemed like there was way too much to do. Like <laughs> between the optional like cash game with kind of the sweets business, um, between trying to do the romance options, the whole go kart thing, like all these other things. Like there was way too much for you to get sidetracked with. So we actually didn't even finish a lot of that side stuff. Cause it's like, we're going to be playing this game for another four months. <laughs> if we try to do all of this other stuff going on. Oh, one thing I will compliment this game on side stuff wise is that there was way to kind of compensate for the amount of things they added there. It felt like there was way fewer sub stories and they were like, substantive. They were yeah. like really good. Yeah. It actually felt like I actually did all the sub stories in this game. Yeah. And I didn't it didn't feel like crazy time consuming or out of my way to get them accomplished. You know, there's like 
one or two stub sub stories where it's like, hey, I need a million yen. Can I have a million yen, please? And it's like, all right, let me go run over and do the cash mini game real fast, and I'll come. I'll be back. But like that was, you know, the extent of how annoying it was. A lot of it's just like waiting for the next instance to come up. Yakuza loves to show me my favorite cutscenes I've ever seen in video games. Just like pretty close to the beginning in every game. Like in Yakuza 0, Majima's intro scene is one of the best things I've ever seen. Which, Sam, I don't know if you've seen that yet or not. Oh, man. It's, it's huge. It it's is so, great. It's so good. <laughs> We're going to do Yakuza 0 eventually. Yeah. So I'll, play I'll play it at some You'll point. You'll But the first thing you see in this game is Masami Arakawa's backstory and how crushing like so uh, to give everybody context so Arakawa is raised in a theater troupe effectively he is playing they're doing a traditional form of theater where men play women and he you see uh his father and mother have a terrible relationship. His mother's abusive. They are clearly his father like cares a lot more about him. And then his father takes him out for some Peking duck and gets shot. It's, oh man. I, <laughs> I was grabbed immediately by this. I just thought it was a really good introduction for Arakawa. And, like, it's such an important scene throughout the whole story, which I feel like a lot of, I don't know, not a lot, but a lot of the time, like, your beginning first cutscene for specifically JRPGs or whatever is just, like, Long, long ago, there were monsters. Monsters, bad. We don't like monsters. You need a hero to fight the monsters. Oh, yeah. You know, and... This one is, like, so full of, like, meaning mm -hmm. and so full of, like, just, like, visually impressive things. Oh, yeah. And then, like, you know, knowing the full story of the game, it's full of a lot of foreshadowing. It's full of a lot of themes that reoccur throughout a lot of the game. Being, like, a, you know... Like, what does a good and a bad parent look like? Being a good and a bad sort of caretaker of your family relationships. Like, what what are these bad... The consequences of these bad choices in your life have for your children or the people that will come after you. And, you know, the, the turn at the, when the waiter, like, lifts the platter and it's just, like, the gun. Uh, and, it, you know, it's, like, framed so well and... The boy, um, the the young boy Atakawa is like away when he hears the shot and has to like run up and, and find it. And it's exactly like, I mean, it foreshadows the older Atakawa die, being assassinated later in the game while Ichi has like left him. And then you have to like kind of put the pieces together later. It's just like, it's like so, so full of meaning. It's so beautiful. I, it's, God, it's so good. <laughs> <sighs> and then after that, we kind of 
get to know Ichi, which is Ichi is a bad Yakuza. Kind of, I don't know. It's funny because Kiryu wasn't a bad Yakuza. Kiryu, no, Kiryu's right? a bad Yakuza. Uh, I mean, Kiryu's a pretty good Yakuza in Zero. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> by the time of Kiwami, he's like, he's definitely softened up a bit because of the, because of the, uh, the events of the, Zero. Yeah, the events of Zero. Mm-hmm. But like, one is like kind of the natural starting point of the story. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. But yeah, he's he's definitely immediately kind of set apart from Kiryu, whereas the one of the first things we see Kiryu do is like these thugs are like hustling some business, some salary man for money in the back alley, and Kiryu's like, okay, I'm gonna go solve this problem with my fists mm-hmm. by beating the the brakes off of these dudes. Ichiban, like his problem solving is like, this guy owes this money. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get a loan later today for this other thing. I'm going <laughs> to use the money for this. I'm, you know, because someone's going to be very generous with money with me later. And then, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out later. Everyone's going to be happy. I'm going to try really hard not to solve problems with my fists. What well, wasn't part of that, too? Like a lot of the money that they had collected from someone, it was because that guy was selling videos to teens telling them it was porn and it wasn't. And he was like, uh, we got to give these kids like their, their money, money back. back. Like we yeah. can't yeah. just keep this. So like, not only does he not keep the money, but he, you shake down the construction man later. Right. Yeah. And, and then he's, he's like, like, I'm saving up for my sick mom. Yeah. yeah. And then you just like, let him go. So you have like no money. Yeah. So you're Which, like, you, really, I mean, you told us to recover the wallet. Yeah. The wallet just didn't have money in it. <laughs> And like you know, I, I it, it does a good job of setting up Ichi as like someone who wants to be heroic and is very community focused. Yeah, because like the reason like he wants the people around him to be supported. Like, <clears throat> I think speaking to sort of what I think the beginning of the game is about, and one of the things we're gonna fucking fight about <sighs> later is it sets up very deceptively that Arakawa is a bad father. He's a bad caretaker of his son because he has let him become a huge piece of shit. He spoils him. He, you know, the young master is characterized as being uh, just a terrible scumbag of a human being. So you're thinking like you get these like very, it's very hard to characterize Arakawa at the beginning of the game because while, you know, he'll do things like, Oh, um, you know, he took Ichiban off the streets, like when he was just trying to invoke Arakawa's name to like stop himself from getting the tar beaten out of him. And Arakawa was like, "All right, I'll take you in." Yeah. Uh, which it, seems Arakawa like, gives up a pinky. For yeah, him. yeah. Which like, like seems like very noble. Seems yeah. like he's like a very <laughs> strong man with a lot of conviction. Um, and then you're like, you see his kid, and you're like, "Wow, what the fuck? Like, how did that man like father like this? You know, like." I I think that's like kind of working through that over the course of the game is like one of the best parts of the beginning. It also is a little bit of subversion because it's like here you go another another fun adventure in Camarocho oh, yeah. and then it's like well, just getting jail. <laughs> <laughs> and then just getting Yokohama. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I like the beginning of this game. I had, yeah, I like the beginning of this game well enough. I like I like that you do get 
it's a very good beginning of an arc for Ichi, where he's just like, oh, well, I was in jail forever, and now everyone hates me, and now I'm homeless. <laughs> <laughs> well, this does not go the way I thought it would. Oh, uh, yeah. I like, I think that a lot of the story of Yakuza's zero through six is Kiryu kind of like softening up this like strong exterior, this like tough exterior over these like years of these experiences. And then, you know, he is like an older man. He's like in his fifties by the Yakuza six or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like suddenly like soft and like capable of like feeling normal human emotions and they were like, well, we want a character that can do that so we can write not the same story. So we're just going to like pop him in a... Uh, Put one of the most emotional people we can find. In yeah. The- <laughs> we're going to dry age him for 18 years <laughs> in the clink. Pop yeah. him out. Now he's yeah. in a, he's an old man. Yeah. Which I, I think a lot of... A lot of how Ichi acts post-prison is... He just does, didn't change over that 18 years because he had no opportunity to. Yeah. Right? Like it's it seems likely that he set. I mean, based on what we're shown, it seems that he just like sat in his cell and thought yeah. about Arakawa for close to two decades. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and I guess we should mention what exactly happens is Ichi tries to get to Arakawa, finds out Arakawa was Omi, which is weird because he was supposed to be Dojo. The events of Yakuza. Pretty sure the whole events of yeah the whole events of Yakuza Z one through five are happening. Yep. So Tojo are getting kind of eliminated. There's war, a lot of war with the Omi. Blah blah blah. Um, and when Ichi finally is able to show up in front of Arakawa, uh, Arakawa shoots him for multiple reasons. Uh, <laughs> And it's like, it's actually pretty, it's, I want to say, I hate game trailers. Yeah. Because the scene of Arakawa shooting Ichi was prominent in like every trailer for Yakuza 7. And so like. It is the inciting incident. When it happens, for me, because like I was super excited for this game, when it happened, I'm like. Okay, so like this is interesting and surprising, but I knew this was going to happen. So it's like, <laughs> I think it's one of the least surprising things that's happened that happens in the game. Everyone, mm. everyone, because I didn't see any trailers, but everyone's like, "Oh, don't go in there; bad things will happen." It's like, "Ah, Michi Bar, I'm going to do what I want." Uh, yeah, and he walks in, and he shoots you. I'm like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> you were warned." I don't know what I expected. <laughs> you, you were, you were warned by at least two people. Yeah. <laughs> but- <laughs> Both uh, both Sawashiro and Adachi were like, you, you need to quit. <laughs> you need to figure out a different approach for this dog. Adachi helps you anyways. That's true. Because he's cool somehow. In spite it's of it all. It's because he's not a, not a cop anymore. <laughs> I think the first like third of this game is like... It's near perfection. It's I, so good. Okay, There's gonna, a lot of I'm, long cutscenes. I want to say something controversial. Oh, here we go. As as much as I like the first act of this game, as it allows you to spend time with the characters, 
it's just really unconsequential in a lot of ways to what happens in the second and third act in this game. I don't want to say it feels detached because it's important for Ichi's character growth, but like narratively, it feels very just departed from the events of what happens in the rest of the game. It's like a very long tutorial. It has to happen. Like the, the events of the first act have to happen for Ichi to have like the resolve and the capability to do what he needs to do in acts two and three. But like, I almost wish the first act was just a little shorter. Yeah. Just Definitely so we could get to the meat. I, Definitely I, a lot of cutscenes. I don't think the like running around in Kamurocho you do before like meeting Nikogata is necessary at all. Yeah. Th- just to tangentially agree with you there. I think that's there too. <laughs> I was telling Sam this when we had just started the game. I think that chapter on top of being the tutorial is there to subvert your expectation because the expectation is like when you're playing a Yakuza game, it's like you're going to go on an adventure in Camarocho, this tiny but dense little town packed with all this stuff. You know, the players, the Omi, the Seryu, the, you know, the Tojo, and it's going to play out in this certain way. And then like you get this big subversion, like this huge, like wave crashes into you. And then like, you know, you go to jail and all these people who you thought were family are like actually not a huge part of the story at all. And it takes place in a different place altogether. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I thought at least for the first two chapters. I just feel like it's really, I think it says a lot that you thought this game was going to be about the ravages of like homelessness and poverty and like through a majority of the first act. And yeah, then and then not even a little bit. Yeah, just <laughs> not even a little bit. You're, you're a C, You're a C, I was a CEO, multi-millionaire poker player. Like three or four chapters later. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think it reflects negatively on the game. I think it's it's just neutral. But I I just wish there was a way that they could have made the first act feel more in line with what happens in the rest of the game without sacrificing the character development of Ichi. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) Haley's shaking her head. (laughs) Haley's shaking her head. They're good antagonists, right? Oh yeah. They're really, they're a really good antagonistic force. Mm -hmm. So like, Ichi gets shot. He wakes up in a random homeless camp in Yokohama. They can't see uh, you do air quotes when you say random. Uh, he that's did, true. Buck did air quotes when he said random. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, uh, he gets treated by a homeless man. Homeless man. <laughs> named Zamba. <laughs> Buck did air quotes when he said random homeless man. Uh and you know you try to each try to go to work can't find work hear about some work you help out some people you're introduced to the gomi jewel and then you start working for a brothel lady and the first thing that happens when you wake up from like helping out the brothel lady is you hear some protesters talking about how they don't want prostitution in uh Ijincho. And it's Bleach Japan, and they're the most annoying people 
in the game. <laughs> First off, oh. fuck fucking liberals. <laughs> God, I hate these stupid libs walking into all the fun parts of town trying to get it shut down with their stupid liberal ideas. Ugh. What's his name? Kume? Kume. Kume. Kume is the absolute worst. Little weasel like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> he is dude. a weasel. Like the first time that we get introduced to him, I was like, oh, I just want to throat punch oh, yeah. this guy. <laughs> That's what Ichi wants to do too. Yeah. <laughs> well, true. and isn't it, doesn't, uh, I mean, we haven't talked about her yet, but Psycho, doesn't she actually hit him? Yeah, Psycho hits him. That I mean, was great. <laughs> you you end up fighting him a couple times. Yeah. You fight him. Um, he, but I mean, he, just, just like in a cut scene oh, and all yeah. that. Like, I think he's she a, actually punched he's him. He's a little rat fuck. That one... I will always, 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 always pray. Well, I don't know. Maybe unless something crazy changes with the writing team, um, I will always praise uh, Ryo Gagatoku for this. They write great antagonists. And Kume is another great antagonist on to the long list of great antagonists because <laughs> he's got a defined set of convictions. He's got reasons for everything he's doing. He's got character flaws and he he he's he's not just opposing you for opposing you's sake right he's he's got like all those he's a little shit heel he i mean like you hate him for very like real reasons and he's he crystallizes a lot of these like oh awful things and it's so good he's such a really really good motivation to like deal with bleach japan so good and so Bleach Japan's whole thing is getting rid of the gray zones in an area, which is where they think that anything that can be construed as illegal should not be allowed to happen, right? And while, I mean, maybe that's interesting on paper, the people they're going after are marginalized, oppressed people who have nowhere else to go and have nothing else to do. And that's what makes them kind of gross from the start. Right? It's, a, it's a very like nimby ass movement. They don't go after like white collar criminals. They don't go after crime families. They're like, I don't want to see hookers, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to see all, uh, you know, all this gross stuff that's going to, you know, impress on my children or whatever. It's like, you, you know, you're like, you're not taking care of anything that matters you're attacking like desperate people doing they're, they're go- shitty things because well, they're they going need to. after illegals is what they're doing. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Like it's <sighs> it's a it's a really good. They're a great a great antagonist. <laughs> they're a great antagonist. You want to, or at least I wanted to. I felt like a, a opposition. I wanted to oppose them. I wanted to fight them. I every cutscene, I was like, Ichi, just beat the beat this dude to a pulp i, I, I love, want it so bad i love when he throws the cum trash on yeah them. throwing the cum trash is really <laughs> 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 throwing the cum trash is super good it's incredible what a great scene really uh, appealed to my sensibilities as a guy who thinks cum is very funny and they develop over the game, you know, it's not, they're not just like this static, unmoving antagonist that's like flat. It's like they become mixed up with this, uh, 
with these criminal institutions that they refuse to go well, after. I mean, they are founded by Masato Arakawa. Yep. The young it, master. Yeah. So we haven't talked about Masato slash Ryo Aoki much, and we probably should. I hate him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he... He's interesting. He is such a good villain. Yeah. Holy shit. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, they're so good at this. Like, he... So, you know, you see the young master in the first act of the game act kind of like a entitled asshole, right? Yeah. And, that doesn't change. And it that doesn't change. However, what does is he fakes his own death, goes to America, gets a treatment that would probably be illegal in America in addition to being illegal in Japan to take care of his inability to walk, changes his name, comes back to Japan and gets into politics, and immediately after getting into politics, uses his father's position as a crime boss to use those things to take over, and he founds Bleach Japan with a Gosawara, and the whole thing about Bleach Japan is that they're just hypocrites. Yeah. I wrote in my notes, it is incredibly baffling how fucking stupid the young master is. <laughs> <laughs> he is so stupid. I, I, and like stupid isn't like the exact word. I would use the word naive. Yeah. He has a lot of naivete because he just thinks that all the issues in the world can be fixed if you simply just make the bad things stop happening. <laughs> like that's basically his whole thing. Yeah. Like people will stop being desperate. Yeah. If we stop giving them, if we give them fewer bad options to solve their problems. Yeah. If we, if we just get rid of the prostitutes and get rid of the Yakuza and get rid of you know, like gambling halls or whatever, yeah. Get rid of all these like little itty bitty things, and but the other thing is like he at the end of the day, it's like he doesn't actually care about any of that stuff. No, you know he, he I mean? just cares about having power. He just cares about putting on the front that he cares about these things, you know, like a politician does. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> come on. Well, because ultimately, like the whole, he, that's like the whole point, right? I know it's like I know it's like very simple and basic, but that's what the game is getting at. Yeah. Is like yeah. politicians are at the end of the day, politicians are no different than the yakuza. They're just different means to an end of obtaining power in a circle. And like, yeah, I know it's circle jerky and yada yada yada. And we're gonna talk about this more next week when we do Night in the Woods. But it, it that to me, that's like a big part of what this game is trying to portray. Is like. At the end of the day, people just crave power and mm -hmm. the, the different avenues people take to get to power end up being the same because you do the same dumb underhanded shit it takes to get to those positions. You're saying something, Haley? Yeah, I was saying, um, well, ultimately, like, as Ryo Aoki, who's formerly Masada Arakawa, like, he's ultimately after power. Like, I'm pretty sure he even says, like, Part of it is to get back at those who made him feel powerless when he was younger. Because, like, despite being the son of a Yakuza boss and having a lot of money, he 
had a disability. He was viewed as like, you know, oh, this uh, poor sap of a guy who's just in a wheelchair and, you know, just has to rely on his dad's money like his whole life. So his that was part of what drove him to be like, no, I'm going to show these people wrong and I'm going to get this power that I didn't have before. And I'm not going to stop at anything to achieve just ultimate power. I think one of the coolest things that this game does with his character is in the introduction you get with him at the beginning of the game, the scene where you go to see the hostesses, you, you see him have all these interactions specifically between uh, he and Ichiban where you're like, wow, this guy's a real asshole. I'm really glad that he doesn't have any real power or influence <laughs> to be the worst human being possible. And then like you see him on the poster in the later half of the game and you're like, oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's the worst person to be the president. <laughs> and, and like there are a lot of things about Masato that are like, you know, somewhat sympathetic, right? Like you can feel bad for him for like, cause like ultimately like, yeah, he's weird and kind of sleazy and kind of an asshole, but like he also struggled with a disability for a large portion of his life. Right. Like yeah. for the formative years of his life, and he viewed everyone as looking down on him. And I think he knew that, like, I think in the back of his head, right, these people are only interacting me because I have money and not because I'm, like, powerful and respectable, right? And so his ultimate goal was if I become the most powerful and the most respect respectable, right, I can have what I want which is for people to like feel below me and yeah. not view me in the way they view me now. Hey, what up? It's Mason back again for the mid roll ad and here to remind you that I will compromise every single moral I have. If you just send me a big old pile of money, if you can't do that, go ahead and like, comment, subscribe, leave us a five-star review on anywhere that you've downloaded us, and check out our link tree and other social media feeds. Anyway, I'll shoot you back. I want to talk about party members. Okay. Yeah. They're so good. Oh, yeah. They are. I think they masterclass in character writing, Nanba, I, I think he's he's fantastic. There are a few moments in this game that got me as excited as when Namba comes back into the party. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, hey, check out this cool special move I can do now. He just does like the giant poison fire spiral yep. it's, from the sky. It's so cool. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like, they. It's, so the previous Yakuza games didn't have party members in the way yeah. that this game does, or at least none of the ones I've played. I can't you speak play, to them all. You play different characters throughout the games, but it's never like at the same time. These are like full party members. This did the this did the good RPG thing that I like in JRPGs, where they, they don't make Ichiban's stats just arbitrarily higher for no reason. 
like they're the other party members have like things that they're the best at and full like roles that they fulfill in the party that are specific and that they are the best at and that make sense and personify them better as what they are for instance adachi really high strength really low agility he's this big jacked ex-cop who's like gotten kind of tubby because he's worked a couple years in a driver's license office but he's like he can punch the fuck out of a guy tank yeah and he and he's like a really good tank and you know his all of his sub story is about like him protecting a guy in a, in a way you know he's financially propping up this dude but like it's a it's his way of protecting him and it, it it's so they tie together so well they tie together so well nanba is my favorite i'll say um and i do think airy is a, falls a little bit flat because, because she's she optional i was gonna say she doesn't really have any character development yeah. Yeah. No. You just make her business really successful Except, and she falls in love with Ichi. She wants she's like, Do you want to be a CEO? And you're like, Well, I'm a homeless guy, so Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the game's not about poverty anymore. Um Nanba is like the shifty little homeless dude who's like this rat fuck who like steals from people, but he's also like very lovable. He's not a he's not a rat in the same way that the young master is. He's like Ichi, you gotta help me. I stole some like somewhat expensive whiskey, and I gotta get yeah. it <laughs> replaced. Go down to the corner store with me, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you didn't steal like that expensive a whiskey. And he's like, well, I don't want the bartender to find out. And he's just, uh, you know, he's just like this, fu- this, this little rap scallion. <laughs> it's funny because Namba's story also mirrors Ichi's, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. He was, he was a nurse. He took the fall for another. Else. Yep person in his profession so that they wouldn't get in trouble because he believed it was the morally correct thing to do and ends up putting himself in a situation he did not have to be in and it probably would have been better if he was not in that situation right you know the world would have been i think the world would be a better place if ichi did not take the fall for sarashiro and go to jail for him in the and in the same vein, that we learn eventually that it was stupid for Namba to go to jail for that person because that person is a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and was lying the entire time about their intent. So, I I think it's cool that Namba is just like the same side of the same coin He's as like, Ichi. So it allows them to have a lot of synergy together as characters because they become they can be sympathetic to each other you know it even comes up as you're doing namba's like sub stories you find him at his lowest yeah and it's this is where ichi was like you know 20 minutes ago (laughs) yeah (laughs) and also nanba was basically the reason why ichi survived getting shot from Arakawa because you know with being a former nurse he had kind of that medical background and was able to like patch him up and even then he was like Ichi like you were so close to death when I found you like there was a good chance I was not gonna be able to save you so and that in turn um makes Ichi feel loyal to Nanba even when Nanba, you know, 
I hesitate to use the word betray because of the circumstances around it. But it's why even when some of that later stuff goes down, like Ichi is still very loyal to Namba. Even though he absolutely shouldn't be because Namba does some really stupid things. It is true. Uh, I'm going to shout out, while we're on party members, I'm going to shout out Jun Gihan and Zhao's party stories. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. The, the social link <laughs> quest for them, because they're both, like, really interesting, and they don't really get to shine as characters with motivations outside of this. At least I don't think they do. I mean, in um, the, definitely not in the, not main, in the main story. story. Yeah, that's what I mean. The main story, like, the most interesting mm. interaction you have with Zhao is, like, the chapter leading up to recruiting him and then jun gi is his interaction with kiryu it's like beyond that it's like eh, before we get too deep into his backstory i really love that zhao is set up as like oh he's gonna be like this majima type where he's like kind of crazy and like unpredictable and he's like he's super assertive and does like these big over the top stuff and he's like actually no i don't want to do it i'm really into fashion yeah i'm really into food i'm just a cool guy yeah i try (laughs) to do cool things I may or may not have a thing for the head of the GM Jewel. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. It's just like, yeah, I wear stylish shirts. Yeah. I I like a lot of food. <laughs> this is not Majima at all. Uh, this shout, is just a guy. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Adachi and Namba being uh, idol nerds. Oh, yeah. I did get those. Those, those. God. They have like weird hobbies, but they're very funny. Yeah. A lot of like. The, um, the, the, like, just walking around, like, uh, little pop-up dialogue, like, adds a lot of really cool texture to the characters that, like, all, like, makes sense and is, like, very quirky and fun. Oh, oh man, I love when they walk by a stand in um, Sotenbori and Zhao is like, that sauce costs a million yen a container. That's why you can't double dip. And Ichiban just buys into it. <laughs> <laughs> Ichiban? Very stupid. Very dumb. He's very stupid. Oh, and before we move on from party members, we of course have to mention Psycho. Psycho's really good. I also think... kind of messed up. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, in ways. I think... I think she does it. At the end of her sub story, the end of her social link, very messed up. Okay, so I think, and this is going to be maybe my hot take, I think Psycho's story and character are really hurt by the art direction because I think her model is really stiff. I think her model doesn't do facial expressions really well, and it may is like a little bit that made me like like not buy in just like that last little bit i commented to Haley all the time like they didn't do a good job modeling psycho she's like really blocked she's like real like a doll almost yeah, her I don't face know doesn't move what was up with that because yeah. like when you would have conversations with other like the other um party members at the bar like they would have like full movement they're expressive on the face but for some reason psycho's model was very much kind of like positioning like a barbie doll like the way her arms would move and her like facial expressions would be. And I don't know why that was like for her specifically. I don't know, but I think it hurt. It hurt her a little bit. Her story is still very good. She is still like a really cool character where she's like, she views herself as like the only smart and reasonable person in her family. 
and like just disapproves of all these things her family does and is willing to manipulate and like fuck with people just to like protect her family and make sure that they're doing well even though her family like really doesn't approve especially her sister i have labeled nanoha on our name list of people as a bad investor she because she really is not a great yeah between uh investing so i'll go on to mention this one of kind of the big was it technically a sub story or was it part of the main story? It's part of the main story. Okay. Yeah. Where she, so she was working at a soap plan to pay for her and Psycho's father to be in this nursing home. It's like end of life care. Yeah. But it turns out, well, I don't think it was even necessarily intended to be end of life. It was end of life care for him. <laughs> yeah. Almost. But it turns out like that nursing home was run by this kind of higher up in the Siriu clan who was a really shitty guy, like super fucked up what he was doing because he was essentially like after a time like euthanizing some of the residents without kind of like the family's knowledge he was lying about their medical condition right and then getting them to like pay a lot of money for like a surgery and then yeah and it was actually (laughs) euthanizing them so she had invested in that luckily they like save her father like just in the nick of time yeah um but then you find out that she has also been giving money to her super shitty boyfriend um, who's just spending it on, honestly, who who knows what. Yeah, like whatever he's, the fuck he he's wants. He's basically taking advantage of her. Bucky wanted to talk about Zhao's social link. Oh, yeah. Because I um, also want to talk about Zhao's social link. So as you get to know Zhao, he's like, yeah, I was a gifted kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And everything was a little too easy, and I got into this, but, like, I see Mabuchi as a brother. And, like, it really sucks, everything he did to me, but he's still my brother, and I still want to take care of him and make sure he doesn't die, right? And, you know, getting to know Zhao, it's like, I feel bad for him mainly because of how he kind of just gets forced out of his position of power. And it feels like he doesn't really have as much of a community anymore because Mabuchi was one of his closest people and he still just kind of wants to fight him. (laughs) All right. I want to bring this back around to what I said at the beginning. I think Zhao, when you meet him is not characterized as a good caretaker of the Chinese mafia. I, but he doesn't want to be, you know, it's not like a thing that he's kind of trying and failing at. It seems like his heart's really not in it. Right. And so as a result of that, the Chinese mafia kind of gets away from him. It keeps going without him and he goes a different direction in life. I think that's kind of ultimately the story with Zhao is that like, sometimes it's time to walk away from something, even if it's been laid in your lap, even if it's a huge opportunity, 
you know, like even if it's something that's been in your family for generations, even if it's like something that is like people are telling you it's your place in life, you know, his heart's not in it. He's not the man the Chinese mafia wants and he doesn't want the Chinese mafia. And so they just part ways. And like, it's like a good example of what I was talking about as far as like the game being about like being a caretaker and being a responsible person. And that's what I see Zhao Zhao's story being about. Yeah, but he he doesn't like walk away from them. Just be like ah, uh, fend for yourselves type thing. Like he does because they're still his like family kind of. Yeah, because there was so there was a coup initiated by Mabuchi, but the coup does ultimately fail. But instead of you know Zhao taking back over, he does entrust the Lumang with. Is what what's Song her name Wee. pronounced? Song Wee, who is the head of the GM Jewel, and he entrusts them to her and is like, Hey, I am trusting you to essentially take care of my people. Like, please do this and do right by them. Yeah. Sam, what did you want to say about Zhao's sub story? I just love Zhao. Zhao's my favorite. Oh, yeah. Zhao is my favorite party member personally, because I just I I respect a lot the man who's like, ugh, I don't want to work. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to hang. I just want to hang with the boys. I love... I want to wear nice clothes. I love giving him pepper mill blow, and he does like a thousand damage. It's very lo- good. It's just... And like, <laughs> I love... I hate I hate how... This is another mechanical thing I hate. I hate how there's all these conversations hidden behind restaurants, and you just go to restaurants and order everything like six times to get the all the conversations. But I do really like Zhao's conversations in the restaurants where he's just like, oh, this is, this is the highest quality of this you know thing I've ever had. And it's just like I really love how just appreciative of the simple things in life he is because that's not something you get to see portrayed in characters in video games very much. Yeah. is like how much – how enjoyable just the little things in life are. So I don't know. I just really, I really liked seeing that in a character because that's a reflection of something people should aspire to do. I think we need to talk about act two a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Before we get into act three and the ending. Act two is mostly about the agent three. Yeah. And how correct they are. And I will fight to the <laughs> death on this. Agent 3 are so correct in almost everything they do. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it, it, it's super interesting to me, right? Because uh, I watched another video essay uh, about this. Uh, I watched several coming up to this just because I wanted to hear what people were saying. And, you know, the Agent 3 are all pretty much antagonists to Ichi's party when you first come into contact with each of them. And... Like, the interesting thing that I find about it is I heard other people criticize the portrayal of specifically the Liu Mang and the Gomi Jewel as like, oh man, look, it's another Ryuga Gotoku showing foreign people as criminals. And I'm like, I don't think they're shown to be any worse than the Seiryu clan in this yeah. situation. Yeah, they're I like, mean, like I mean they're, they're all criminal sad. organizations is in some ways I'd say the the Jimajul are better than the Yakuza cuz all they're doing is just trying to survive. 
in a lot of ways they're they're a refuge for uh, people that have nowhere else to go right in a lot of ways they're they're doing a lot of work to keep out the yakuza to keep the people in yokohama a little bit safer not safe but safer like like a big plot point is the omi alliance hasn't been able to get into yokohama because of the ejin 3 and you know i speaking of things being somewhat in- inconsequential i don't think the individual points of interaction between the ejin 3 are super important to discuss for our purposes no but i do love like I love the reveal that the Gen Three are just working together. Yes, the whole time. yeah, it's, yeah. I so. love. It. It makes so much sense, right? Like, yeah. Of course, these like three organizations have a mutual interest in helping each other because, at the end of the day, they're that they are propped up on the ability for each other to function. Right, because yeah. it's initially portrayed as like hostile. Yeah, that they're very hostile. That all it takes is like basically one like straw Spark. to break yeah. and it'll be an all out war. Um, but, but it's, it's all a front mm-hmm. that that whole thing is a front for them to like keep out the other Yakuza from other regions. Not from Mabuchi for yeah. Mabuchi. <laughs> Mabuchi did stupid. want a war. Yeah. So. yeah. Mabuchi's very dumb. So that's why <laughs> I like the, I mean, I like the setup and I like, I think the way the Egen three are characterized as part of the city is like really interesting. That's like one of the coolest parts is like they built the city with the Egen three in mind. You have this big flourishing, busy Chinatown that is like one of the most densely populated as far as NPCs in the game. You can like barely walk around without bumping into people. And then, you know, you talk to your party members about it and they're like, oh, this other part of the map was this part that they were vying for, a lot, which is like a bigger part that would be like more suitable for all the people. Like, But they like lost kind of access to the property all this long time ago. So now they're stuck in this like little four block area. But that place is like beautiful and huge. And then the the Yakuza are just like in this one little building in the corner, this like old relic of a bygone age. I mean, they're still there and do stuff. They're Just still like part their of their leader. Yeah, but they're like, sh- yeah, exactly. They're like shriveled up in their in their little corner. There, it's not like it's not like in the old Yakuza games where it's like, oh yeah, I need to go to this building that's like a Yakuza office, and there's like, th- you know, thirty, and like you can't go anywhere without you know Yakuza swarming out of every building. It's like, well, no, they're in this one little really old architecture style building that's like clearly a yakuza building and then the gyomi jewel are it's just like not it's like maybe like a hundred people in the whole gang they're sitting in this spider's web of like internet cables that they steal from everyone around them that's like so thick you can walk up it and like infiltrate their base like a web that like goes throughout the whole i mean there it's like they describe it as a web too like a web that permeates the entire city of their of all their eyes and ears and even though they don't have people they have information and it's like it's so so cool so awesome this whole operation is kept in place by an old politician named ogi kubo who uh this this operation keeps 
counterfeit money going to Ogikubo so that Yokohama can be impenetrable. Part of Bleach Japan's intrusion into Ijincho is trying to expose Ogikubo so that Ryo Aoki can get some more power in this particular area in Japan. Well, because Ogikubo too, wasn't he the party chair? Yes. He was. And that was yep. a For position Ryo citizens Aoki was liberal after. Party. Yeah. yeah. So they spent the you know, the, the Great Wall of Muscle is like the perfect the perfect shield for a Yakuza invasion, but not prepared for a political uh, invasion. A, yeah, a legal uh people's movement, you know, like a grassroots uh above board thing, which they had like no defenses for and they were just decimated. In that way, Bleach Japan is like despite the fact that it's like a bunch of like nerds like marching <laughs> down streets and getting like cum rags thrown at them. <laughs> they're like, they like dismantle this like huge thing. It's now, like, that is also the Omi. Yeah. The, but like, it's two sided, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like they have this like huge power behind them that you like, you don't see at first, but the front, what you see is like this grassroots people's movement. It's so cool. Ejin 3 are right. They're right in almost every decision they make in the game. And a lot of times when Ichi tries to stop him, Ichi is stupid and wrong. <laughs> I'll say it. I wrote it in my notes. Okay. okay. I literally, like, there was one of this. The what was, about when the Gyomi Jewel hired an assassin to shoot Ichi with a crossbow that was probably objectively the right thing for okay. them right. so because like okay. they're trying to there we go they're, well so here's the thing right they're trying to insulate themselves ichi, ichi. Is, ichi is acting in the interests that are going to get the wall of muscle broken apart yeah, well and it's because at that point in the game he's driven by so at this point in the game um their boss at the soap land nonomia nonomia thank you he is like murdered and along the way, they figure out it was someone within the Great Wall of Muscle who did it. Turns out that it was Mabuchi. Um, but he does kind of <laughs> all this unraveling of who the Great Wall of Muscle actually is. So he's kind of like, okay, these are really bad organizations that, you know, uh, essentially need to maybe be dealt with to a certain point. Although I am recalling like his main motivation is to just like get justice yeah. for his boss. Well, and, the, and but like it's Ichi's naivete that ends up making things worse because when he gets captured by Mabuchi and Mabuchi gets to take that video, that's what ends up messing everything up for everyone. And I know what you're saying. Well, it's Mason. not exactly true. Mabuchi just fucking gunning down two dudes in the middle of the street. That's also was a well, little he bit. More. He only was able to do that because he had justification uh, from the video that he got out of each. Now, to your point, Mason, you're talking about the crossbow assassin, but that was you're talking about. They were going after Namba, right? When they were when the Jumajul were trying to kill Namba. Realistically, they no. were probably after Namba. I'm talking the very beginning of the game. Oh uh, well, that's just because they're just trying to be protective of themselves when they're when they're going after Namba specifically, and like because that's like objectively probably the most horrible thing you see them do in the game, right? Is like oh they're going to assassinate Namba because Namba is going to rat out everything that's going on. 
But even then, I think they're... Let me make sure I, I want to word this carefully because I don't want to make it seem the, like a pro murder. Because the point you're defending is they did everything right. The the idea that I get with the earlier in earlier in this episode, I said that the whole idea of this game is about found families, right? They are trying to protect the things that they have built and the people that they care about because the things that Namba is threatening to do will cause so much harm and grief to the people and the institutions that they have made to protect people. Don't forget that they have an entire underground community of people that we don't even get to see. Yeah. Like <laughs> when I, when I when I say the Agent 3 are in the right, it is because even though their the actions they take may not be moral the things that they are trying to accomplish is simply to protect the people that live in engine show. Did y'all, did y'all enjoy the, the conclusion of that plot thread from Namba that they, oh. his brother is in a secret Guillermo Jewel city and he Dating. just like went to visit him and well, yeah. so yeah, like, well, we should it. probably explain the background of that. So, you come to find out that essentially Nanba is not actually homeless. I mean, he did like the whole backstory of like him being a former nurse and taking the fall for someone and getting fired. Like that actually happened. Um, but the reason he came to Yokohama was to find his brother. His brother was a journalist, an investigative journalist who had started putting the pieces together of the Egen 3 running this counterfeit money operation to prop up this politician. Um, and he was going to expose that in a story. And the GM Jewel were like, uh, actually, no, we can't let you do this. So they captured him. So Nanba had gone to Yokohama to try to find his brother. And over time, they almost kind of try to hint to him that his brother was silenced and that they, like, killed him. So then it kind of almost morphs into Nanba wanting to get revenge for this organization killing his brother, which is why he kind of does a little bit of that stuff with Bleach Japan and all that. But then you come to find out that, you know, his brother is alive. They were keeping him as a captive within the GM jewel, but they weren't like, they weren't even torturing him or anything. Well, they, they were, were like using just, his skills. Yeah. They were using his skills and keeping him hidden. And it's like, we could have avoided quite a bit. If you had just, instead of trying to allude that he was dead to Nanba, if you had just told him like, yeah, hey, we had to capture him, but, like, he's alive and well. And he's dating one of the Gia Majul members. Yeah. That's, like, the one thing I didn't like about Nanba's story. And I loved all of Nanba's story, except for, like, there's like it seems like such a deus ex machina. Yeah. Like, right at the end, where they're like, oh, he's alive. He's in our... You can't go see... I mean, we're not going to put him on camera. We're not, yeah. like, making a computer model for him. But, you know, he's in New York City. <laughs> You're just going to go visit him. There's no cutscene for that. We're just he's there. 
Okay, Namba's back. He saw him. He's better now. You don't get to see it. And like, oh, come on. And you know, this is hearsay. I don't have a lot of information on this, but like, I think a lot of the problems in this game were caused by how quickly it was made. Oh. Um, because like, I think this game came out a year after Yakuza Six. Did. Sweet God. <laughs> Like, well, they were probably working on it longer than that. Yeah, but I, I've heard I've heard that they have very quick turnaround times for things. So this is probably one of the things where it's like, yeah, we didn't have as much time to flesh this out. I, hope I didn't so. hate it. I, I, I don't think it's hate worse it. Because like, it makes sense to me that the GM Jewel can't just tell Namba what's going on until like there's a situation where they're forced to i think they well, can. i mean i think they were forced to when they found out he was going to inform bleach japan yeah I that's think, what i'm saying I think, that's what forced them i think ichi and so like the the gyomi jewel are characterized as this group that have like such a depth and breadth of information about everyone in fact they have spy cameras on the very homeless camp pointed at the very homeless camp that you wake up in at the beginning of the game right and it's like well like you clearly would know since you guys know everything that Nanba is like just looking for his brother because you have his brother. He's got the same last name. They probably bear a family resemblance or something. Ichi and the gang are in the Gyomi jewel hideout at many points in the game. Seems like you'd be taking care of a problem down the road. If you're like, Oh, Hey Nanba, by the way, we know your brother is he's alive. We can't bring him out. He's in, he's in hiding. We've, We've aided in his disappearance for his safety. You know, it's just I like, it seems like it would be such an easy thing that anyone would think of. Like, shouldn't we tell this before he like causes problems? No, nah, we tell this guy. I disagree. I, that's, that's so silly. I disagree. What do you mean? What? Let's have this really cagey secret society of people who have had their well, lives. That's true. Let's have this cagey secret society of people who've had their lives uprooted. They open up hold to on, Ichi immediately. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They open up to Ichi hold immediately. On, hold on. Let me let me make my point. Let's have this cagey secret society of people who their whole backstory is they've been uprooted, they have been marginalized, they have been, you know, tossed to the fringes of society. Let's have the first thing they do be the unveil one of the biggest secrets they hold biggest secrets they hold the namba is in their base they're fighting him off they're trying because they're trying to stop this this the they're trying to stem the flow of information they're not they're trying to keep their secrets close to their chest this is like this is like what's the what's the guy from the first game from one then formant the, the oh the um, flowers guy yeah what's his name the florist of Psy. yeah yeah, yeah. Like, imagine if the florist just, like, walked up and was like, oh, here's everything about me. This is all my whole thing. This is everything I got <laughs> going on. I have the son. He's, you know, kind of a delinquent. <laughs> or, you know, I, he's dating this other person who's part of the Yakuza. It just uh, seems like they've operated with no foresight. Because the florist does basically do that before he has to burn down his entire his entire underground yes, paradise exactly. as a consequence of his actions. Yes, he does it when the stakes are at their highest and it is an absolutely necessary move to make. It's just like... Just same things, thing as the geometry. No, things spiral after, so much further out of control. After, after Namba learns about the counterfeit money, they are forced to 
reveal that information because he is going to go to Bleach Japan and out them. Things spiral so much further out of control. I'm not saying they don't spiral out of control. I'm just saying that like they're, they're, well, they wait until the last I also think moments. the Gomi Jewel don't have complete information here. I don't think they know exactly what Mabuchi's doing. That's true. If they uh, yeah, knew might, what yeah. Mabuchi was doing, they might have told Namba then, but I think they don't. If I'm remembering the like order of events correctly, I always, I always think of them just based on how they're characterized. I'm always like, oh, if they, I mean, they probably know, like, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, because Mabuchi literally takes you to that underground location specifically because have... it's going to be out of the eyes of the Geomajul. Okay. I'm not saying it's perfect. It's not a perfect story. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's, like, completely unjustified the way you're trying to frame it to be. I I I just think I remember going into that Gumi Jewel hideout a lot and having a lot of inter- interactions with Namba and what's her name Song Kui Song Kui there it's like well, this would take care of a lot of problems down the road if you had if you had just like told him when he was in your base t- talking about it when you were fighting and then he was like in tears crying about it to Ichi after they had just now, fought they, and you're about to burn they your don't fucking... leave you don't leave on the first time on exactly the best terms. If only someone could knew a piece of information that could have uh, rectified things if they had just been a little bit forthright about it. If only. That's what all I'm saying. All right, Act Three. Act Three, where the game gets like fucking awesome. <laughs> there is a lot of awesome stuff that happens. Act Three is a roll. It's like a, only downhill on the roller coaster. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. How until the are. ending. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Ending. Which is even better. It's like a loop de loop. It's like a loop de loop. It's, it's the worst really part cool. of the game. Worst part of the story. It's like um, a warm hug from your from your uh, beloved. When you say the ending, which part do you mean? I mean like the, the last cutscene. The whole thing that unravels about Arakawa and Ichi's oh, relationship. Okay, that's not the ending though. That's what I consider the ending. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um. So. There's a subplot going on with the Egen 3 thing where when you figure out that you've got to effectively politically compete with one of the most powerful politicians in Japan, so you make some money, you tell Chairman Hoshino, hey, get me a guy, and then Hoshino is unable to get you a guy. You do and, it. And like, <laughs> I, I, it was very much foreshadowed where it's like, okay, we've got to get someone to politically run against kume and i'm like it's gonna be ichi it's gonna yeah, be yeah. like like as soon as i find out this happens i'm like it's gonna be ichi and then you have to jump through many several hoops and like uh cutbacks of eventually hoshino can't find anybody and it's ichi it's very funny how like right when they introduce this they're like well of course i'm gonna find a guy yeah. you don't want to do it do you <laughs> and like right then you're like okay i, I get it ichi's gonna be the <laughs> We're gonna be the guy. Like we can, we can skip this step. Yeah, <laughs> I know where it's going. Yeah, this is the part where the game calls out that if someone serves their time in prison, they should probably not be disenfranchised from their democratic system, which is a good point to make. I would, I would. This is the part where I would normally be like, "Wow, bold take. People <laughs> deserve the right to vote." But like, you generally just like lose that right in a lot of countries if you go to jail. <laughs> like maybe it is a pretty bold one. <laughs> 
Ichi owns Kume in the marketplace of ideas. He sure does. <laughs> he said he walks up. He says, "Shake my hand, motherfucker." <laughs> I want to shake his hand. Uh, I want to shake his hand. There's a lot of stuff that kind of happens here that we don't really need to talk about, I don't think. No. It's it, a really, I mean, there's a lot of really cool moments of yeah. politicking, but like... I think there's a lot of interesting things that happen with, with Kume as far as character development. Um, number one, he starts hiring hired muscle as, as protection, but it's all Yakuza guys. And it's like, okay, we're starting to see kind of the the... The veil is breaking. Yeah, the inconsistencies are kind of are seeping through. Like he's getting a little desperate, and so his convictions kind of waver a little bit. We kind of we go to Bleach Japan headquarters, and you know he he's like suspiciously absent from all the from all of the you know parts where it's like, oh yeah, we're actually like <laughs> we're we're using Kume, that little idiot, to you know and. I don't know. We, we continue to paint Kume throughout all this portion of the game as like this little rat fuck antagonist. And they do a good job. I like chasing around his little tour bus. I think the big thing in Act 3 is the, I mean, the biggest, probably the biggest plot point of the game, which is literally the dissolution of the Omi Alliance and the Tojo clan. Yeah. Oh my God. Which. So that that to me was like the highlight of this game was the the lead up to that like finding out that's what's happening finding out that's what Arakawa and had had planned all along was getting the yakuza out from under the the thumb of yeah of the government of you know the young master yeah, not With, allowing them to become a tool yeah. for politicians. Like it, it, And it's just so, I think it encapsulates the story of Yakuza. That moment encapsulates the story of this game so well. Because, you know, in the dissolution, you know, I think all of us, all of our, you know, all of our major themes can tie in in some way to that moment where... It's about, you know, the things you care about. Sometimes you have to let them go to be able to fix them in the way that they need to be fixed. And the way they need to be fixed here is not being an arm of the government. Yeah. It's also, you know, it's about loyalty. It's about the loyalty that the higher-ups felt to the lower Yakuza people. It's like, well... Even even if you don't like it, we're not gonna let you, like, suffer at the hands of the anti Yakuza laws. We're not gonna let you, like, because we're so loyal. Even like kicking and screaming, we're gonna pull you away from the three K plan. And man, it, it, it's it's also like a it's a twist that makes sense. Yeah. Right, like unlike the other twists of this game, <laughs> you're stupid. You're 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 actually stupid. Oh, I'm I'm getting heated. Uh, it 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 makes so much sense that this is where the yakuza in this world end up, because of what Masato did, because of how things ended up happening with like Kiryu, because like at the end of Yakuza One. 
the Tojo are in a real bad spot, mainly because of Kiryu. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we haven't played the other games. I've started two. But it makes sense that this is where this ends up. Although I will say, if you're planning on playing the whole series, I do think Seven is an interesting place to start. But boy, are there a lot of wild spoilers that you wouldn't get if you played the other games first. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, I think it's fine. Well, there's one I think that's really not okay. But I think for the large, for the vast majority of them, it's like fine. Because it's like without context, who cares? Yeah, without context. Well, you know, the, the Joongi Han one, I'm like, all right, this is like, this kind of sucks that I played this before six or whatever. But like the, everything in the rest of the game is just like, yeah, who cares? Ka- you know, Kazuma Kiryu being the man with no name is like, what? What, what do you well, mean? That what does that mean? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. But it's like, what could that possibly, what could you possibly he, be he talking get, he about? He gives you like such a broad strokes, like thing of what happened. It's like, I don't, you know, I can't, you know. Who knows? I don't think it's going to diminish the previous games at all. All right, we got to talk about the ending. We're at so, a- event- so eventually, you get you go. So after you know Arakawa gets assassinated, you unravel the mysteries of who killed him. Eventually, you figure out it's basically traced back to the young master, and so you go back to where everything eventually goes in Yakuza. I assume I don't know. I've only played two games. The Millennium Tower. I mean, kind of. So the so you climb the Millennium Tower, you know, the boxer guy, Tendo. Tendo, has like allied himself with the young master because he wants to be the one to rebuild the Omi Alliance. Very opportunistic, very in Super, yeah. Tendo, yeah. Tendo is, is another Tendo. very good in- antagonist. I could talk game. to Tendo. I could That's talk about saying. Tendo for oh. forever. So <laughs> we're not going to. Very good. I would just, yeah, you know, Sarashiro ends up, doing some messed up stuff to try to become the next Omi Alliance guy, but ends up getting pushed aside because he's too weak. And then you get to the top of the Millennium Tower and you get to have this really cool, awesome battle against the young master and beat the absolute crap out of him. Oh, man. That's very satisfying. I literally just did Atomic Drop like 12 times. I was like, I'm going to re-break your spine, you motherfucker. And then (laughs) You're going to be unable to walk when I'm done with you. And then at the end of it all, you... Like, in in line with everything else, Ichi is still willing to extend a hand out because he you know he cares about the young master. I love more than Ichi anything. so much. He's like, the mo- He's so sympathetic. He's, he's loyal such a sympathetic. to a fault. He's, despite everything, he still views the young master as like a brother to him. And and you know he gets to kind of say what Kiryu didn't get to say is I don't want to see any more of my family die. Yeah. Right. Like, you didn't get to say that because they died anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Kiryu's like, please don't sacrifice yourself to me. And they're like, what if I do? Yeah. What if I do anyways? You're not going to stop me from jumping in front of this bullet. <laughs> uh, after that conflict, Aoki gets exposed yeah. to everyone. And Japanese stories love to do this. This is a this is a trope in Japanese stories where you fight, you have passionate arguments, you you know, I love the confrontation in front of the coin lockers. Yeah. I love it. It's so good. Even though I don't love the implication of it. Right. Yeah. 
I love the confrontation in front of the coin locker and like it's such a good culmination of both of these characters and Kume comes up and stabs Masato. So good. What a what an excellent ending. <laughs> yeah, which I think like like Mason and I were shocked. When that happened, my jaw here. dropped. My yeah, jaw, my jaw genuinely so dropped. Dropped too, because Aoki was like, "All right, you know, even like was tooth and nail, like you know, I'm gonna get out of this, like blah blah blah." And then eventually, like with enough pleading from Ichi, was like, "Okay, you know what? I'm taking in what you're saying. I'm gonna turn myself in, and is actually going to leave." to go to the police station and Kume comes up and does that and explains how like, you know, you failed us, you lost sight of like the mission. So I'm going to do better, which I think is especially like it's a circle because earlier in the game, like when talking about Kume, people would be like, Oh yeah, he's like annoying and he's like a thorn in our side. And he, you know, is a weasel, but he's like harmless. What is he going to do? And then he turns around and does that. Which this is the trope thing I was talking about. This is actually a trope in Japanese stories. And also, also like he ends up being killed by the very thing that he created. Right. Yes. This is exactly what I was talking about. This comes full circle from what I was saying at the beginning of the episode. This game is about the, Things you are responsible for, the things that you leave in your wake because of your actions, meaning because of how you are responsible for them. The young master, Aoki, was, you know, he tried to distance himself from the Yakuza, but all he did in his time in the Citizens Liberal Party was create another smaller Yakuza. He fell victim to the same lust for power that all these Yakuza, like, chairmen that we've seen over these games do. He was doing the same sort of illicit and immoral things. And and what he did in Bleach Japan was just create a different Yakuza. And what happens to people in Yakuza, it takes, you know, it takes your life. It kills you. It's so no it's, peaceful way out of it. Yeah, it's so it's such <laughs> a it's so poignant. It was so good. It was such a good, a good, good, good ending. I loved it. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the mic out. I'm standing up. <laughs> All right. So there's one major thing in this game that is that I really, really, really hate. The really good thing. I you really hate the hate, only good part of the I game. I really hate this part. You, you yeah, hate I'm the, standing up. I'm standing the, up because I know I'm going to have to walk around a little bit. You hate the good part of the game. You have a short so, board. Remember yeah. that. So here's the thing. So it's revealed. One of the things that's one of the things that is revealed in the ending of the game, like like I consider this part of the ending sequence of the game, is that Ichi is in fact Arakawa's son, and they were switched at birth due to both Ichi and the young master being placed in coin lockers at this station. Uh, Ichi was born at the same brothel that Kiryu and Majima like protects essentially Majima destroys it eventually but <laughs> and I think this is a horrible twist 
because this whole time, this whole game is talking about how you don't have to be blood related to people for them to have a big, big impact in your life. You don't have to be blood related to people to really like integrate them, to make them your family. You know, it is about so much about found families and how the people you meet and the impacts that these people have on your lives is so important. And Arakawa does all these things for Ichi. And I don't know, it's just, it ruins it for me just to be like, oh yeah, Ichi's Arakawa's son. Yeah, so that's that's a thing. Like why, what's, what, what does it add? What purpose does it serve to the narrative of this game to have that reveal so late? Like there's no benefit to me. There's no, there is no tangible way that this makes the story in any way, shape or form better as a result. This is the worst take you've ever had on this podcast. This is the worst take you've ever had on this podcast. Let me tell you. All right. This game is about what responsibility, the things you leave behind in your wake because of your actions. Now, Arakawa is a good man, a man with convictions, a man who sacrifices, and a man who is loyal. All right. Who does it make sense that he is the father of? This little shithead, the young master who is a spoiled brat, who is a womanizer and a scumbag, or Ichi, the man who mirrors these qualities in him? It foreshadows it. It literally foreshadows foreshadows it at the beginning of the game all right with the pecking duck scene with the father getting shot all right and it makes perfect thematic sense okay because this game props up Atakawa as a man who leaves the things that he is taking care of better than when he found them all right he gives why up did his, he raise the young master so poorly I, he didn't raise the young master he left the young master in the care of his yakuza a lot of the time because of his line of work because he's a poor father because he is he makes poor he decisions is a loving father he tried his best who he really raised was ichi who was his real son ichi who does it make thematic sense for it to be his son ichi that's right that's why ichi is his son that's why sawashiro the scumbag the guy who is opportunistic and has you take the fall for him that is why he is the father of the young master all right because that is the legacy he leaves behind that is the consequence of his actions that is the next generation that comes after him see but this to me this isn't this isn't about the responsibility or the consequences of the actions of either of those people because Sarashiro doesn't have any part has very little part in the raising of the young master. Sawashiro is literally the direct report of the person the who is like overseeing the young master every single day. But he doesn't he's actually the, he care. Is the, he is the second in command. Yeah, he doesn't care. And because of that, his child, his progeny, doesn't care either. But, it's thematically consistent. But if Arakawa had simply done his job and been a father to the person he believed to be his child, then this would then a lot of this could have been avoided. Now, who did Arakawa believe was his child, Sam? I don't know. Probably the person that he raised for many, many years before he even met Ichi. Now, that's crazy interesting that you bring that up because doesn't Arakawa, the night of his death, say that he has had a reoccurring dream for years that Ichi is actually his son? Yes, and that the young that. master isn't. 
Yeah, I I know that, but that's stupid. You're stupid. You're stupid. It's stupid. I'm sorry. You're stupid. I look. Here's the thing. You can you can believe all you want that the literal physical person you are raising is not your kid. That doesn't make you any less responsible for how you they turn out. He tried to shield him from the horrors of being Yakuza. He kept him out of it as best he could. We see that in the first act when he tries to keep him away from all the action and he assigns him a caretaker to go have him do his own thing. He payrolls him. He doesn't do the best job a father can do, but he's spending his real time raising Ichi, his actual son. Sawashiro, the scumbag, that's his kid. I swear to God, it's thematically consistent and it's perfect. I'm just going to chime in here. I am still on Sam's side of this. I think the weakest part of the storytelling here is they don't show us the early years of Masato enough to make a empirical statement on how Arakawa raised Masato. Besides, besides knowing that he would rather keep him out of the Yakuza part of the... Haley, back me up. So I mostly agree with Mason that I think this was a very interesting twist um and we're leaving a lot out of like why the two were in coin lockers to begin know. with which we don't have enough time um, there, to go over that because there are, it's so much there are a lot of youtube commenters that want to say that oh man coin locker babies were a common thing in japan it's not surprising that there were two babies in the same locker right beside each other strange and i I, I find I it kind disagree. of surprising. What, I, the, I, what the fuck does an English YouTube commenter know about yeah, uh, exactly. birth control in Japan in the 1980s? Yeah. I don't believe those people. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I know it because I watched a slice of life anime. And yeah. <laughs> Shut up. But I do want to add something I was just reading into earlier this morning. And it's a part that doesn't make sense about them being switched is... Ichi was always told his mother like worked for the Soapland and all that. And Arakawa mentions his wife's name. So why would the Soapland owners, why would they have never told Ichi his mother's name? That is a good point. Because he would have, <laughs> like when Arakawa would have then mentioned her name, he would have been like, wait a second. And here's a theory that I have. I have not read into this, so I'm not sure if anybody else has this, like, written on the internet somewhere. But my little theory that is probably not the case, but is fun to think about, is when Sawashiro is, like, telling Ichi all of this, he's saying, like, you know, take this kind of with a grain of salt type thing. I almost have a theory that Masato like is you know still Arakawa's son and Ichi is Sawashiro's son and he just kind of spins it that way to one kind of like fuck with Ichi because he has like his entire time he's been the Yakuza and also to still like kind of shift 
some of the blame like off of him for yeah, things. Yeah, I've, I've literally I I I've had that same thought well, before. Well, and also too, just interestingly, like, just like even if they're not actually biologically related, they make the characters of Arakawa and the young master like physically look a lot alike. Hmm. So. I- We've learned anything. It's that Mason's really stupid and doesn't understand how video games Sam work. Sam has no media literacy. Uh. I understand why it's his mission to increase it. It's so he can have some of his own. What are you going to say, Buck? Oh, God. I got completely derailed there. I love Adachi's scene with Horinochi in the post credit scene. Oh, yeah. It's what a, it's what, so what, good. What, what swagger. The only oh, thing that could have like, made it better is if- <laughs> The only thing that could have made that seem better is if he Sparta kicked him <laughs> off of the roof. Just walk up. Okay. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Small gripe. I have a small gripe with this game, okay? This is very small, but it really fucking grinded me. I the When the last day I played this game, I played it probably nine or ten hours on a Saturday in a row I just to finish it because we were so close to the end I had plans to play video games with a friend of mine at 11 p.m. that night credits started rolling at 1045 or 1050 and I told my friend I'll be on soon there was not one there was not two four post credit scene why did we roll the credits with four scenes left to go why even roll the credits at that point if you've got four scenes left to go Roll the fucking credits after those. Or do at least one after, like do yeah, do three scenes and then your post credits. Like one post credit scene is not even tasteful anymore because Marvel has killed that. But it's permissible. Four? <laughs> that is that egregious. That is monstrous. Someone deserves to be to have like a tooth pulled involuntarily because that's disgusting. And um. I do want to mention Ichi's line about having two dads. Not two gay dads, but... Just, just two dads. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> he did have two moms, really. I'm, I'm, uh, so I'm Ichiban Costco. These are my two straight dads. <laughs> well, that's in reference to, like, Arakawa and then his foster dad, who was the manager the of the soap land. Yeah. So that was Yakuza 7. We talked about maybe 10% of the game. Yeah, yeah. There's, so there's so much. much. We, have we didn't even a ton out. We didn't do you, do do you remember what the time on my file was when we finished? Not off the top of my head. It was like 80 something, right? Mine? It was close to Death Stranding numbers. Mine? All right. We'll do, let's, let's, before we wrap, let's just do quick hit one moment. One moment. Just, what, just like three sentences and no one elaborate on it at all. Yep. Ichi owning Kume in the marketplace of ideas. I already mentioned it, but that was my one moment. I loved that moment so much. Just really good calling out the liberals for who they are. One moment for me, Ichi in prison on the day he's set to be released on his 15th year. And the police are like, ooh, what do you mean? You have three years to go, motherfucker. You got in a fight once. (laughs) That was brutal. My one moment it's really just a collection of a few moments is towards kind of like the third act of the game when Ichi is trying to do a lot of this stuff on his own without his friends, like so that he's not dragging them into this or like putting them in danger. And they're like, no, you've been there for us. 
even when, you know, we've done not so great things to you. So we're here for you. Power of friendship and the friends we made along the way. My one moment is the forget me not sub story. That one's which really is, good. That this whole game is really silly fuck, and funny <laughs> and over the top. And then all of a sudden there's this whole sub story where you go on this cute date with this cute girl and she's actually dead the whole time. That is my favorite sub story. That's a that good is sub story. What I, was gonna- just, I literally finished that sub story. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what did happen? Why did you do this? It's insane. Why did you do this to me? Ichi has not felt grief like this before. And all of a sudden he is like reckoning with the morals of the people he has left behind as a result of being in prison for so many years. What a crazy thing for you to just slap into the game one time. <laughs> Huge. Anyways, this is Yakuza 7. Play Yakuza 7. It's so good. You can so play good. it on Xbox Game Pass or on PlayStation Steam. Plus. It's like also on PlayStation, PlayStation Plus. Plus. Yeah. Probably around the time this episode comes out, uh, Infinite Wealth will be Infinite releasing. Wealth will so be coming out. So hopefully yeah. you all enjoy that game because we sure as will probably not cover on this podcast. No shot. No <laughs> shot. God, no. Probably I not. I don't have it in me. If, we ever, if we're ever doing this full time, we'll, we'll do Yakuza. We'll do all the Yakuza games eventually. If, Next episode, we're going to be doing Night in the Woods. Oh, yeah. What a, one of the big narrative indie hits. This is going to be a huge one for Sam because it's a, a short narrative-focused game with weird little guys in it. It's my favorite. That's his fucking favorite. 